Our gospel reading for this morning comes from Matthew, chapter 10, starting at verse 5. And this will also be our text for the sermon today. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse lepers. Cast out demons. You received without paying. Give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, this is the gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you are familiar with Legos? Right? Yeah. How many of you have Legos laying around your house in in piles that look kind of like this? Right? However, how many of you have ever stepped on a Lego at about 2 a.m. and had to um, exhibit (laughs) self-control so you didn't wake up the entire family, although you were writhing in pain, right? Legos, uh, they kind of look like this, right, in in, in a pile, but we're supposed to be able to work with them and make them into something like this, right? Into uh, a house. Or, uh, Isaac, what, what are some of the things that you've made with Legos? Uh, a Ford Raptor, a truck, a, a pyramid, uh, so, you know, Harry Potter sort of, yeah, yeah, very good. So all kinds of cool creations. So how, how can we get from a pile of Legos from, from this to, to that, right? Well, we need a manual, right? And you all probably have seen this, many of you, uh, a Lego manual that gives us step-by-step how-to guide instructions Two, putting together Legos. What we have in our gospel reading today is a how-to guide from Jesus. Now, obviously, Jesus isn't uh, concerned about creating Legos, but what he is concerned with is his mission and the expansion of his kingdom for his glory, so that people can receive his peace and his grace. 
And so what Jesus does for us is he gives us and he gives his followers a how-to guide. Now, sometimes, sometimes we can think about mission and it, it kind of, that even that word, the mission of the church or mission in our lives, it can uh, feel sort of like that pile of Legos. What are we supposed to do with this, right? Like we know we're supposed to make something out of it. But how do we go about that? Jesus gives us the how-to guide. Now, to be clear, Jesus in our text for today is speaking directly to the 12 apostles that he is sending out on his mission. And so it's important as we look at this text to recognize that these words are spoken directly to these 12 individuals, these 12 followers of Jesus in Palestine in the first century. However, it's also worth noting that Matthew, when he wrote his gospel, found value and importance in recording those words for us today so that we can read them and so that we can also glean from Jesus' instructions to the twelve, instructions in our own life regarding his mission. And so that's exactly what we'll do. Today, we'll be taking a look at the where of mission, the what of mission, the why of mission, and the, the who of mission. And that's... As we do that, we'll be following along verse by verse in our text. So if you would, turn, turn with me to Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, where Jesus, oh, and so we're looking at the where at this point, right? In verses 5 and 6, it tells us this, these 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So we need to stop there. What's Jesus doing here? Um, Specifically, he tells, don't go here Go there. If you know kind of geography in that time, we know that there are cities that are are Jewish cities and there are cities that are Gentile cities. Even in Palestine, it's kind of intermingled. And then there's this whole region of Samaria that's kind of in between. Jesus says at this point to those 12, he says, don't go there. Instead, go to the places that are Israeli cities, Israeli cities. Uh, or um, I should say Israelite towns, right? Go to the lost sheep of Israel. What's, what's Jesus' purpose for doing this? Because to be completely honest, it sounds a little, well, that sounds exclusive. Shouldn't you go to everybody? But what Jesus is doing through his ministry, what Matthew has been trying to 
con- conveyed to us throughout his gospel when he quotes this, the Old Testament and says, this is a fulfill- fulfillment of the prophet who said dot, 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 right? The, what we see is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the nation of Israel. He is Israel reduced down to one man. The nation of Israel reduced to one man, and he just so happens to call how many? Not one, not two, not three, not four apostles. How many? Twelve. Because those twelve apostles represent, signify the twelve patriarchs, the twelve tribes of Israel. Jesus is saying, I am Israel reduced to one. And God, throughout time, has, since he's called his people Israel out of Egypt, He said, these are my people. These are my children. And Israel was called to be a light to whom? To the nations. So God, in his wisdom, worked through this one relatively small group of people, nation, and through them was blessing the entire world. Jesus is doing the same thing when he calls the 12 and sends them first to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, of course, at the end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28, we have the Great Commission. And so Jesus says, now (laughs) go where? Not just to the lost sheep of Israel, but to all nations baptizing and teaching and all that I've commanded, right? And so we read that, the last few verses of Matthew's gospel, and we see, okay, Jesus is for all people, for all nations, for all cities, for all throughout time. However, there's wisdom to say if a if a congregation or an individual is on mission to everybody, they're kind of on mission to nobody. Does that make sense? Like, you have, as individuals, we have, as a congregation, limited capacity. And so it's okay, Jesus does it himself, it's okay to define some limits, some boundaries. This is where we're going to work. This is where we're going to to focus our energy. As Christ Lutheran Church in Breckenridge, Colorado, we partner with Summit Mission Alliance, and we are looking to reach this region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we're working so hard to plant a missionary in Leadville, just about 50 minutes away from us. We're working with Gracious Savior in Edwards, with Concordia in Steamboat Springs, with Peace in in Arvada. We're working together. That's our mission, as defined by Summit Mission Alliance. Now, as a congregation, we focus primarily on Summit County. Maybe even more so, our local mission focuses on the families of open arms, the people who come 
to this building and are present with us throughout, uh, throughout the week. I sometimes refer to them in some ways as the low-hanging fruit for our, our mission as an individual. What's your neighborhood? What's your network of people, your bowling league, your golf buddies, your kids' soccer club? Those are network and neighborhood. Those might be the places where Jesus has called you to, to go or maybe to change the metaphor a bit, where Jesus has planted you, right? Maybe you've heard this, this um, saying before, bloom where you're planted, right? Yes, as a church, the whole church, followers of Christ throughout the world, yes, we reach all people with the good news and the gospel of Jesus, and how that plays out in my life and in your life, well, for many of us, it looks like Summit County, Colorado. It might look like Chicago, Illinois. It might look like Houston, Texas. Right? Depends where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. So where is Jesus sending, or, or maybe should I say, where has Jesus planted you. So we talked about the where. Now let's talk about the what of mission. Verses 7 through 8a. Jesus says, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse lepers, cast out demons. So that first part, we can wrap our mind around that, right? The, the proclamation of the gospel. Jesus reigns. God loves you. We can go wherever we go, whether it be our neighborhood, whether it be our county, whether it be the region, we can carry that message along with us. Now, not, not everyone gets to have a, a pulpit on Sunday morning and, and preach in front of a crowd. That's okay. Quite frankly, you could probably reach your neighbor better than I can from here, if that makes sense. And you, it doesn't have to, you don't have to, in every instance, recite the Apostles' Creed when it comes to proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. Apostles' Creed is good. It's good to declare our faith and confess it. But maybe proclaiming the gospel may be simply, I'm praying to Jesus for you. Maybe it's God loves you. It's, it can be simple and yet powerful because what are we proclaiming? We're proclaiming essentially the same message that Jesus told his 12 to proclaim. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. When we say we're praying, when we say Jesus loves you, we're saying that God is right here, that there's something that realistic, approachable, 
about God. He's not far off. He's right here. And we can proclaim his, his glory. And now, now where we can get hung up in this part of the text, what can be difficult for us is the healing, right? Jesus tells his 12 to go out and heal again. Uh, he, he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. And we look at that list and we can scoff a little bit or we can at least say, oh, I don't know what to, that's not me. Now, <laughs> some people say, well, that was just for the first century church. We, that only happened in the Gospels and in Acts. And I, I don't see that in the Bible. So I don't think it's stopped. But I also say this, Jesus hasn't spoken directly to us like he's spoken to the apostles to do these things. And so when God wills, when Jesus and the Holy Spirit wills, yes, healings can, can happen in miraculous ways. But we also ought to look at healing through medical science. These four pictures, these are four relatively local hospitals to us. Top left, that's Presbyterian St. Luke. That's in Denver, right next to St. Joseph, which is in Denver. Then to the right, Good Samaritan in Lafayette. Hmm, Good Samaritan. I feel like I've heard that story before. Where is that? Oh, the Bible, right? Uh, then bottom left, that's Luther Medical Center in Wheat Ridge, Colorado, right down the street, right in my own stomping, stomping grounds. And right up here, bottom right, St. Anthony Summit Medical Center. Can you see it? Like the fingerprints of Jesus are all over health care, even to this day. Now, sometimes Jesus works through miracles, and sometimes Jesus works through medical science. Either way, to God be the glory, right? I can think of a time uh, a few years ago. Let me go back here. When uh, I'm, I was hanging out in a Starbucks, and kind of one of my things that I do is I hang out in coffee shops and work from coffee shops. I'll take my laptop and work on a sermon there, that, that sort of thing, right? And so at that time, down in Westminster, working from the Starbucks at 101st Avenue and Wadsworth Boulevard. And uh, we're, we're uh, sitting there hanging out, and I got, over time, got to know the baristas that work there and whatnot, and was ordering my almond chai tea, grande chai tea latte at, at this time, iced. And uh, as I was ordering, I was talking to Jane, the, one of the baristas there. And Jane, uh, sharing with me in casual conversation, she kind of knew over time who I was, what I do, that sort of thing. And said, you know, my mom is going in and they found a serious uh, condition in her heart. I, I don't even know the specifics, right? But her mom was going in for a procedure. It was scary for her. It was scary for her mom. And so 
at that moment, what I said is, well, uh, can I pray for you? And so it was a little awkward, but kind of cool, uh, reaching over the the bar at Starbucks. I'm holding hands with Jane. Another barista joined us, and the three of us are praying together for healing for Jane's mom. Come back, say a week later. Jane tells me a story about how her mom, when she went back in for a follow-up appointment to prepare for this procedure, it was whatever it was, was gone in her heart. She asked, her mom asked Jane, did you pray for me at 2 o'clock on Tuesday, last Tuesday? Because that's exactly when I had my appointment. That's exactly when this is gone. And Jane says, well, actually, yes. <laughs> you know, and so as Jane's telling me all of this, I'm able to respond Thanks be to God. Jesus still sits with all authority at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Jesus still heals through medical science and at times miraculously. And whatever the case may be, thanks be to him for doing so. So we look at the where of mission, the what of mission, the why now of mission. Second part of of verse 8. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or, or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. When Jesus went to the disciples, to the apostles, to Peter and Andrew and James and John and to Matthew, what, what does he say? He says, come, follow me. Come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Right? He gives, he gives. We said in our liturgy a moment ago, he, he's here to serve, not to be served He still serves. It's not as if Jesus, one day walking by the Sea of Galilee, walked by a fishing boat and saw Peter and said, Peter, Andrew, James, John, for the low, low price of $99.95, you can follow me and I'll give you life and salvation and the forgiveness of sins. No, he doesn't say. He gives all of that as a free gift. He won all of that for us ultimately at the cross and at at his resurrection where he overcame death and sin. It's all free. And so when he sends his 12 out, he sends them out and he says, you got it for free, give it for free, right? And he tells them, you know, acquire no gold, silver, copper, on and on, right? Like don't go along your way and, and say... I'm going to charge for this. I need money here. He also says, don't worry. You'll be provided for. But the whole purpose of going forward and going out in the name of the Lord to give his gospel message is that it's a free gift. He does add this on 
to the end. He says this, the laborer deserves his food. Okay, so wait, kind of feels like almost he's unsaying what he said. But the, the point here, this in fact is the only passage that, or not the only passage, but one of the few passages that the Apostle Paul quotes directly of Jesus in, in 1 Timothy 5.18, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. And directly, Paul is quoting from Luke's uh, version, Luke's gospel at this point. What's, what's he saying here? Jesus is saying, as you go to these places, there will be people there. They give you, they'll, they'll take you in. They'll give you food. They'll take care of you. Your needs will be provided for by God through the people that he sends you to. At Summit Mission Alliance, we're preparing to plant a missionary, as I said, up in Leadville. And one of the things that we're preparing to do is we're preparing to give the laborer his wages. Right? He's a missionary up there. We're preparing a home for him to live in. And we're preparing for him to have a salary. It's not, he's not going to be uh, super rich, buying personal private Lear jets to fly across the country. But he's also not going to be a pauper. He's going to be provided for so that he doesn't have to worry how he's going to pay the bills. He just worries about proclaiming Jesus. And in fact, it's Summit Mission Alliance. This is a um, shameless plug, if you will, but uh, we're starting a, a campaign, the Tell It on the Mountain campaign, and we've got pledge cards available for people who want to support a missionary and his work of proclaiming the gospel in that place. Think about when, when did you receive, when did the call of Jesus come to you? Maybe it's here in church, maybe it's hearing a pastor preach, maybe it's from your parents, maybe it's reading the Bible on your own, maybe it's someone, a friend of yours who said, you really got to stop doing this. There's such a better way in life. You, can, I, can I talk to you about Jesus? Wherever it was, Jesus gave his message to you freely, his message of, of life. And so we give because we first received. Finally, we look at the who. The person of peace. Verse 12, Jesus says, as you enter the house, greet it. Say hi, right? Hello. <laughs> and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. And if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet. When you leave that house or town, truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Now to 
understand, like, this is the standard greeting of that day, the greeting of peace. Now, Matthew was writing primarily to a Jewish culture, context people, right? Luke, who's writing primarily to Gentiles, he spells it out for us a little bit more. And, he, and specifically, the greeting is, peace be to this house. Right? How's it going? Hope all is well. Peace be to this house. Peace, the, the Hebrew word, is shalom. Common word in the Old Testament. It's a standard greeting. Shalom isn't merely the absence of conflict or strife, right? So sometimes we can lose that a little bit in the transliteration or you know, uh, translation from, from Hebrew to Greek to, to English. But it's not merely absence of strife. Peace, shalom, it's wholeness. It's harmony. It's completeness to this house. We see in the Old Testament, in the Aaronic benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord be with you always and give you peace. Shalom. Right, that's that's what the Lord gives. The Messiah is predicted in Isaiah chapter nine. The Messiah is prophesied to be the Prince of Peace, and so they were to extend this peace. And if it was received, hey, how's it going? Peace be with you, and also with you. Cool, that's a house of peace. That could be a place to stay. However, if it's someone that, oh, they're coming again, close the doors, turn off the lights, right? Like, maybe that's not a place of peace. And Jesus gives instructions for that too. He says, shake the dirt off your feet. Shake it off, right? Long before... Taylor Swift made a song out of this, and she stole it from Jesus, right? Right? You know, she, but what, what did she say in that song? Haters going to hate. Shake it off, <laughs> right? Jesus says this. We don't invest in people who are resistance, uh, resistant to us. Um, we, we, re- we invest in people of peace, not people or persons of provocation, right? As a, as a church, sometimes, oh man, we, we want to find the hardest soil in the community, that person, that, that group that's just, not just ambivalent or, or could care less about the church, but as adamantly opposed to the church, is hostile to the church. And sometimes we want to, to go in there and say, We're, we'll convince them. might suggest gently that that could be more pride than it is the direct, direction, directive of our Lord. Sometimes we see a neighbor who is hostile to us that 
man, they're always complaining. They're, you know, we know it's them that's calling the cops on us over silly stuff or whatever. Like, maybe the door is always shut, and man, we want to break in. And yet, right down the road is a nice little old widow who is a person of peace, who welcomes you, who serves you. Come on over. Oh, we'd love to give you some of my strudel to eat, right? Someone who who listens to you, who converses. And when you talk about Jesus Christ, someone who says, yes, tell me more. That's a person of peace. That is who Jesus instructs us to invest in. On Easter evening, when Jesus went to his disciples in the upper room, in John 20, it te- he tells us, John tells us, both in verse 19 and again in verse 21, that what does Jesus say? Peace be with you. He knew they're scared. Scared for their lives. He knew they're hiding. He knew what Peter had done. He knows what, what Thomas, who wasn't there at the time, but in a, few, in a few days is going to do. And still, Jesus speaks, Peace, shalom. You have received this peace when you received the gift of God in your heart, when you were baptized as a follower of Jesus. And Jesus, on Easter evening, says this, As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. He's sending us, church, on the mission of his kingdom, on a mission of mercy, He sends us out so that all people may glorify his name. Amen.